Hi, everyone. I'm Amelia Quint. And I'm Jessica Crispin. And you're listening to Bad Astrologers Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological world of the heavens. Before we start, let's take a moment to say thank you so much to everyone who liked, followed, and subscribed to us already. There are so many of you, and we are delighted that you're here. If you love what we're doing here at Bad Astrologers, here are some of the best ways you can support us and help us grow going forward. The first thing you can do is become a patron. On our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com badastro, there's two levels of support. The Dark Moon Lilith tier, where for $5 per month, you get access to bonus episodes and monthly forecasts. And the Juno Queen of the Heavens $10 tier, where you get all the $5 benefits, along with access to a monthly Q&A with Jessa and myself, where you can ask a question about your personal natal chart. We'll be adding things like postcards or maybe even tarot readings and the like, but for now, please contribute so we can offer bigger and better things in the future. The second thing you can do is to leave us a review on iTunes. The more positive reviews we receive, the more people will see the podcast, and the more people that listen to the podcast, the more smart, magical individuals can join our community. And who doesn't want more of that? Finally, do follow us on Instagram at Bad Astrologers. I know a lot of you are already doing this, so in that case, share it with a friend. We'll tell you when new episodes come out and post about astrological happenings too. Now, back to the episode. Today, we're going to talk about something that, ironically, isn't astrology per se, but has come increasingly linked to it in the public eye, and that's witchcraft. The boundaries between what witchcraft, astrology, and feminism mean are blurrier than ever, and in this episode, Jessa and I do our best to untangle where they diverge and where they intersect. To start, we're going to take a look at an article by Sadie Doyle that was published in The Guardian recently called Monsters, Men, and Magic, Why Feminists Turn to Witchcraft to Oppose Trump. So tell me, Jessa, what about this article exactly was it that made you pop it into my inbox with such vigor? Well... It's it's fascinating to me that this article was published, uh, you know, this year because it's just derivative of a million other pieces that have been published, essentially trying to make the word witch even fuzzier somehow. Like it's already a kind of fuzzy concept, but she just sort of confuses it more. Um, and I think that the fuzziness of it, of is it feminism? Is it a religion? Is it a Instagram filter? Is it, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I, I feel like that is, has led us to this moment of, you know, problematic witchcraft or whatever. I don't know. Like, what, what did you think of it? And I'm sorry that I sent it to you. Like, <laughs> No, I actually love it. I mean, I love reading what anybody has to say about witchcraft because there's so many sort of varied ways that it can be done or even conceptualized and everyone's definition of it is different. I think I think that's how we find ourselves at this particular article is that the definition of what a witch is means so many different things to so many different people um, that it mm. is like completely blurred around the edges, right? So it obviously goes into the fact that some people, and I don't personally agree with this, they equate being a witch with basically being a feminist and like a certain type of like mm -hmm. very performative feminist. Um, and like, you you don't have to do any sort of magical practice or have any sort of spirituality to be a witch and that doesn't make a ton of sense to me um whereas there are people who are witches who are actually practicing magic and doing rituals or following the cycles of the moon what all witch things um but they aren't necessarily engaged in um that same kind of performative feminism like I would argue that feminism like runs deep throughout witchcraft but it's not the same Instagram filter feminism that we see maybe presented here yeah I feel like the word witch has now gone through all of the motions that the word feminists or feminism has of being used for something very specific and then being co-opted by capitalism, by 
somebody who just wants to sell you a t-shirt by, um, you know, sort of light uh, radicals or people who want to call themselves radicals. Um, and I find that very unfortunate because it makes it harder to talk about mm, and yeah. in a serious way. Because, you know, you're invited to a panel and the first question is like, what is a feminist or what is a witch? And it's just like, we're going to waste 20 minutes on this. Like, we yeah. only have 40. <laughs> I totally understand that. And I've been in that situation before. And, you know, it's almost like, how how do you define what a witch is when it means so many different things to so many different people? Like, how would you define being a witch as opposed to just like being a feminist right i'm i still believe that it is a spiritual practice mm -hmm. uh, i i know I that too. there's always this yeah I, i've and i know that there's always a kind of overlap between um feminism and witchcraft and sort of revolutionary moments and the occult and I do mm -hmm. find that interesting, but I don't think it's necessarily helpful for it to be sort of um, popular, popularized in the way that it has been and uh, sort of drained of its original meaning. And, you know, I do kind of wonder how the neo-pagans are taking this yeah, moment in absolutely. time because it must be super annoying. I mean, I remember when the controversy about the Alex Marr book happened, um, oh, the gosh, Witches yes. in America book, which was hated by everybody that she depicted, and there didn't seem to be any sort of understanding by the author or publisher or critics of why these the actual people that she was writing about were so furious about about what she chose to write about them and say about them. Um, and I, so I feel like it's just this continual misunderstanding of people saying like, I'm going to call myself a witch because I find it very empowering. And other people who call themselves a witch because it is an integral part of their spiritual practice being like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you can just fucking do that. I don't think that's the move. I don't think you can like put it on like clothes and then take it off later. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, with that particular book, it makes me think of, I mean, there is this immense pressure right now. If you are writing about witchcraft or astrology or tarot or whatever else um, to make it fit into a certain um, basically like Instagram filtered parameters, right? Like don't show any of the ugliness. Don't show any of the parts that are rough around the edges. Mm -hmm. Make sure that it's always extremely positive and empowering. Like when did empowering become the thing that astrology and witchcraft both had to be? I, I think it is that by nature, but like, I don't know. There's this aggressive like empowerment narrative woven into it that like, if you, it's almost like if you don't witch, witchcraft enough, you won't be empowered and you'll, you'll fail or you won't be enlightened. Right. Well, it's, you know, it, it happened right around the same time as feminism had to be empowering. Mm, um, yeah. You know, it, it has to be about lifting yourself up it can't be about real structural change. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the co-option process. But, you know, there was this one uh, quote in the article from the book Basic Witches, which is like the ultimate sort of self-empowerment book. I don't know if you've looked at this. Book, I have. I have it read it. Is, yeah. And, then, and so it's like, put on a spell to wear red lipstick and I'm like okay but uh, the quote that they use in the piece is if you speak when you're told to be quiet take pride when you're told to feel shame love what and who you love whether or not others approve you're practicing witchcraft and my response to that is you are actually not doing <laughs> right <laughs> I totally agree. I'm actually um, dear, dear friends with a writer who writes in much the same vein. And um, one of the writers of that book um, definitely love most of what her work is. But like when it comes to the spiritual practice aspect of things, like we differ deeply on, on those. Right. Mm -hmm. You can't just say um, I stood up to someone today. They didn't agree with me and I'm I'm going against the grain. So therefore I'm a witch. Like unless there's an actual 
magic component. I'm not really interested in your witchcraft. Sorry about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess my follow-up question is, do you consider yourself to be a witch? That is a great question. So the answer is a complicated one. Yes and no. So witch is something that other people called me long enough that I eventually just adopted it. Um, I do lots of things that witches do. I practice astrology um, in a more spiritual way following the full and new moons and the eclipses and the energies that they carry with them and so on and so forth and celebrate the equinoxes and the solstices. Um, I have done spells in the past, but definitely on the podcast we'll talk about um, the the high and low points of of those things and, and whether or not spell work is a necessary part of witchcraft practice. I do um, tarot very regularly, probably daily. Um, you know, and from the outside, I, I'm also, you know, I have dreams of things that will happen in the future and other, you know, very woo woo, um, non quantitative type things. Um, and, and coming from the world that I come from, I've always been like, uncomfortable claiming that label. But eventually, you know, I think the identity of which is a hard one, because it isn't one size fits all, right? Like, I'm doing mm-hmm. things that are witchy, and yet I feel uncomfortable with it and can't place why. I think it's the um, similar to the label of feminist. It's like, well, yes, but I'm do. I feel like I'm doing things either more or differently than other people who claim the witchcraft label. Like, I don't believe really in crystals, except sometimes when crystals do work. Otherwise, they're just <laughs> magic rocks. Um, so that's like part of so, such a weird hill to die on, right? But that's like part of the reason why I'm like, I'm not really into like witchy stuff like you think. I'm really, really against like, I mean, you can hex somebody if you want, if you want your energy to be like entangled up with theirs permanently, for at least for a very long time, or if you want to expend your life energy thinking about that thing that's bothering you instead of just making your life better, um, you know. But maybe yeah. it, maybe it's too much to ask from one word to be able to sort of get into everybody's different crevices and differences, right? Well, that's I think one of the more unfortunate things about this moment is that sort of all magical practice has been shoved under this one particular label mm-hmm. of witchcraft. And I think that uh, oversimplifies the rich magical traditions of every, of basically every single religion that exists um, on the, on the planet in the, in the history of mankind. You know, there's always been this intertwining of, magic and religion there's always been a lot of overlap um and so you know even christianity has a very rich magical tradition um you know islam hinduism all of it so i think to just sort of try to cram it into this one little corner does both witchcraft itself a disservice and all of the other religions. Um, and I know that the organized religions and the patriarchal religions like to pretend like that's not part of the history, but it, you know, it, it clearly is. Uh, there's documentation, there's historians, there are books. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know why, um, I don't know why this has just become so stretched so thin to say all of this falls under witchcraft. Yeah, I'm not too sure why. I mean, it could be because the archetype of the witch is something that's like easy for people to conceptualize, like in Mm. in ways that like serve us, right? So if you don't like someone and they say that they're into witchcraft or you like don't agree with their beliefs, you can demonize them and make them like a wicked witch of the West type. Or if you are sort of pro-witch and all of that, all that that entails in its connotations, right, of empowerment or healing, right, you get to sort of take that mantle on and it is more broad, right? But I do agree that it erases, like, so many other rich traditions, like, in Christianity especially. I was just having a conversation with someone um, 
recently it happens more than you would think in South Carolina where people say, you know, well, astrology, Christians don't do astrology. And I'm like, well, I'm not really sure if you've looked back further than the first several, uh, the, the past hundred or so years. Like, I don't know if you have figured out how your holidays are timed, um, but it, the links very much are there. Oh, yeah. No, it's very, um, I mean, all the first sort of uh, grimoires were written by Christians, you know, yeah. uh, like hardcore Christians, right? Um, so I think, you know, part of it is, you know, after the Reformation, like I'm writing about this right now. So uh, uh, not to be super boring, but, you know, uh, the Protestant Revolution sort of drained a lot of that stuff out. And then once the Catholics went post Vatican II, it was like, no, yeah. no, no, we're done. We're done with the chanting. We're done with the uh, mystery aspect of it. It's just cold English. <laughs> it's just like... Just do this thing. Don't do this other thing. We're not going to encounter God today. We're just going to tell you not to get an abortion. <laughs> right. Like really, really sort of uh, materialist. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's part of a lot of it. But, you know, I think kind of one of the tragedies of um, this sort of secular existence that we have uh, is that people sort of don't... Pay attention to or explore the histories of of um, the religious tradition that they were that they were raised in. Yeah, absolutely, and they are so rich. I love that you're writing about that. I had written um, I had written a little bit about the same topic about how sort of once the Protestant Reformation happened, um, you know, there was so you know astrology and such things were papist and you can get jailed for them etc cetera, etc cetera. and then again like post vatican II, people were like oh that thing we don't we don't do that anymore sorry about it um but yeah the I whole mean, thing about the star of bethlehem pointing to jesus that's a, that's a <laughs> astrological prophecy i mean for fuck's sake <laughs> I, the whole thing i uh, like, what do you think I tweeted a lot. Was it like last year, the year before? It was like the three magi were astrologers. Don't at me, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. which I think sums yeah. it all up, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious what you think about. So we talked about how witchcraft has become this really muddled and fuzzy thing that people kind of do with what they will, um, but. How do you think astrology is faring these days? I feel like it has gotten a little bit complicated to explain how astrology works. When, when I say to someone I'm an astrologer, I write horoscopes. They're like, oh, do you like make memes for Instagram? Um, yeah. How do, you, how do you see astrology being shaped by these sort of fuzzy boundaries around witchcraft and feminism as well? Oh, I think it's all sort of connected in this sort of like, um, well, you know, Neptune and Pisces stuff. Which Neptune and Pisces like it's never is never going to end. Mm -hmm. When are we getting the fuck out of Neptune and Pisces? But not that I wanted an Aries, but anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just part of the uh, continuing commodification mm -hmm. of just, um, oh, so you take this thing seriously and you've studied this your whole life. Well, I've looked into it for about a year now and I have thought of some jokes. So <laughs> I'm going to uh, get paid to tell those jokes for a national magazine or whatever. The, you know, yeah. Once, once these things were sort of came into the public eye and were actually taken seriously, then the, you know, the commenting class that, that exists um decided oh, i have a surface level engagement with this subject i can now pontificate it about it in na national media um so i think it's just part of the same rise of uh women's culture you know however mm -hmm. you want to define that in, in the serious way of you know feminist theory and thought and then in the less serious serious way of uh or taken less seriously of women's spiritual practices, which includes um, magical practice, astrology, and, and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, that is... Although, my favorite thing that I read on the internet this week was that as many men believe in aliens as women, you know, quote unquote, believe in astrology. Really? I feel like this allows us to be the more rational gender now. Oh, I love this. I don't know. I believe in aliens, but probably not like how people think. Like, I don't think that like little weird gray men are going to come and like abduct us from the earth or something like that. But like, I think it is a bit absurd to think like (laughs) in this massive wide universe that there isn't like some other kind of, it's like statistically impossible that there isn't some kind of other intelligent life. I mean, are we going to encounter it? Probably not. Going to go ahead and put that out there. But. Thank God. Pluto and Aquarius is coming. Is all I'm saying. (laughs) I don't want to think about that. Maybe it won't be the French Revolution all over again. Maybe it'll be aliens. Or maybe the aliens will come and they'll be running the guillotines. Right, right. It's hard to tell. (laughs) Anything could happen. So I'm curious, and I I ask myself this question all the time, actually, because part of the reason why I started this podcast is that I had really become, like, dissatisfied with the state of affairs and astrology and witchcraft and feminism and tarot and, 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 right? But Mm. instead of withdrawing, I wanted to do what I could to, like, add something positive to the conversation or give something alternative that would actually build people up and be helpful. Um, So I think our next step is to think about how do you think that we make this better? Like with the fuzzy boundaries that we have around witchcraft, like what would improve that? Like what is the next step to clarifying that for people? Or is it even possible to clarify I think, you know, I I do sort of think about this in the same way that I was thinking about feminism when I was writing my stupid book. No. Of there has we have to switch the the conversation to content, right? And mm-hmm. I, and I think that the one of the reasons why witchcraft has become so popular and so bland at the same time is it's considered nobody's talking about the values of witchcraft nobody's talking except for in this sort of like vague it's anti-trump or whatever which is not necessarily um (laughs) or it's anti-racist and it's like you know um the nazis were super into witchcraft okay Um, thank you for saying that no one wants to talk about this fucking real society shit um that i mean it's a problem we can't just say that oh occultism is this high and mighty panacea for all of our cultural ills like it has some serious flaws it's not i under i you know and i understand how it can be a tool of the oppressed as a way of uh bolstering the concepts of free will and of getting out from under the sort of like omnipotent jealous god of Yahweh or Allah or whoever mm-hmm. um, but at the same time witches aren't writing or at least not of the uh, basic witches book variety they're not writing about theological concepts they're not doing and they're not even really incorporating the work that's been done in magical traditions from other religions they're not talking about uh morality they're not talking about um you know the content of your heart Mm, it's just sort of um you know you you want this you should have it you know i think all of the about all these vice videos on youtube that i've watched of they learn from a witch and the witch is like what do you want to a spell for and it's like I want a raise. I want more money. I want to be more successful. It's like, that's kind of the antithesis of what this is supposed to be about, what spiritual practice is supposed to be about, right? Right. Like besides Um, Hex Trump, you really don't hear about people mm -hmm. doing spells for, um, I want to heal my own trauma and my relationship with myself. I want to make my community, my local community, a better place, right? Like it is very... um, inward focused extremely and even you know even this sort of um thing of oh i'm gonna 
hex Trump or I'm going to do a binding spell against Trump. It's like, well, that's very self-serving of you. Not that people don't want to take down Trump for altruistic reasons, but for the most part, they don't, you know? Um, So I just don't, I just don't think that the way forward is going to be spreading the message of witchcraft as it exists at the moment. I think it has to be rethinking the content of, um, of what this practice is about or should be about. And I think part of that is the problem that it's essentially a made up religion and all religions are made up religions, but it's a very young religion. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, there, there isn't a, a continuous thread from the ancient matriarchal <laughs> right, right, like right. Some people like to pretend, right? So it's essentially we're it's like from the seventies, so it's like fifty years old, um, yeah. and that's not enough time for us to work out. You know, fifty years after the death of Christ, people were still working out about like whether his foreskin ascended bodily when oh my god i have not been a part of that discourse but i need to be because good lord i've read hundreds of pages on the subject of jesus's foreskin so um you know they were distracted with that for like 150 years so we have some time to work out some of this stuff but we should start we should start i think or which is i I shouldn't say we because i don't actually identify as a witch but um i do think that it's essential Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that really, if I had to pick one thing that troubles me most about witchcraft in its current form is the lack Mm -hmm. of context for so many of its concepts, which I think is, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's going to come from anything when you're taking this eclectic approach of like pulling things from all over, but I'm like obsessed with context. I had to take one of those like strengths finder things for uh, my uh, university life and I got context as my number one thing. So that should tell you a lot about me. (laughs) History is everything. Um, But I I, I see things on Instagram, like someone, I won't say who, they posted an image of ISIS, um, but they said it was Artemis. Um, And I'm like, those things aren't, if you had said maybe like Aphrodite or like Mary, I might be able to get down with that, Um, like symbolically, but Artemis, like, I'm not really sure. Like, (laughs) we just need to do better. Like, we can't just accept these things at face value because they are so new. And it's such a shame, too, because there is such a rich history to magical traditions, to witchcraft. And to the the mystic um, sex of of many religions, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, if you're gonna post yeah. a goddess picture, know know who the goddess is. Like, do better. You know, one of the things that I think has gone out of fashion um, is the idea of you know delayed delayed gratification. <laughs> most most spiritual traditions you don't get to the interesting shit until you've learned all this history, right? Like you, ah, you have to take yes. classes before you get catechism. You have to take classes before you're confirmed into your, your church or whatever. Um, and I think there's a little bit of that with the original covens. I mean, there is definitely that with the sort of original covens of, of witchcraft, but not with the sort of self-identified thing. It's just like, oh, I learned a spell today on Instagram, so I'm going to do it. Um, there's not this sense of like you have to um, establish goodness in your heart and you have to talk about these issues and you have to sort of separate out the patriarchal teachings in which you've been indoctrinated Mm. your whole life there you know this sort of period of study before you act I think is a really good thing that we should be taking from every other spiritual practice right. in the whole world. <laughs> I we completely can't just skip it agree. just because we're bored, you know? <laughs> right, or because we want it now or we feel like we can pay for it and get it now or something like that, like whatever the weird economy of witchcraft is now. Um, no, well, we, t- you know, we, you and I talked about this in, in the concept of astrology with, on the episode of Public Intellectual that we did, that there's yes. a sort of rush to... Uh, get to profession, be a professional or whatever. There's not the the actual period of study and mentorship and these sort of complicated relationships. Um, people just want to 
slide right through that. And you can see in the quality of the work that it takes a hit. It does. It really does. I think all the time about um, I'm really obsessed with ancient Greek mystery cults, um, mm -hmm. especially Eleusis in the way that was sort of laid out. And I'm really fascinated by the way that they, you know, you had to go through like the first lesser mysteries before you could even get to the really cool greater mysteries that, you know, several philosophers listed as being like the most important thing that they ever experienced in their whole life. Like you wouldn't even really be mm -hmm. able to understand those rituals until you did the lesser ones. And then even before that, before you did a little bit of study to try and under understand the concepts. Um, and, and I mean, yeah, for fuck's sake, like if you wanted to be a poet, in the Celtic tradition, you had to take 20 years of school to learn all the trees' names. Oh, damn! <laughs> and everything else. That's 20 wild. Years, 20 years before you were allowed to write anything. Um, and you had to memorize all everybody else's poems. And you had to, you had to <laughs> learn like every herb and every animal. Um, and I bring that back because we have too many shitty like 20-year-old poets as well. <laughs> Oh, but maybe not through MFA programs because that's a no, whole no, no. other ballgame. It's game. not an MFA program. <laughs> it, it's a course in nature. It's much more, you know, grizzly, grizzly man or whatever than fucking uh, MFAs at uh, Iowa. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all just going to live in like mushroom huts out in the woods and get like super matted hair and like only talk to animals for the next 15 years. And then we'll all be prepared to practice witchcraft. It's totally normal and fine. Motherfucker, you got to learn the language of the birds before you can learn the language of the poets. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. I love it so much. The crazy thing that I think people also undersell about astrology and about witchcraft, um, maybe even about feminism too, but especially for astrology, like I think there is this belief now or this understanding that people you're going to take this course and then you're going to like know it all. You're going to have the knowledge. Um, but even mm -hmm. something as simple as a birth chart, I learn new things about my birth chart every single day. I've been doing astrology oh, sure, for yeah. like over 10 years. And like, I just got um, a couple days ago, a reading, several readings with mystic Medusa that just blew my mind and my practice wide open. And were like exactly mm -hmm. what I needed to hear and parts of my personality that, needed a little love in TLC that, uh, you know, I hadn't recognized before. And I think that's so special mm -hmm. that there can be so many different varied ways of doing it that are all valid, right? Like, we don't have to go out and study like the one true way to be a witch, then like, what's the point of being a witch, right? But like, study something, get good at something, fall in love with something about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. The whole point is to be a sort of lifelong student, um, mm -hmm. not to be the expert. And I feel like the sort of, you know, the the idea of the expert is such a problem in our culture as it is as a whole, but then also in, you know, in, in feminism, this is feminism, this is not feminism. And, and also, yeah, in, in astrology, in witchcraft, in a lot of different, I certainly see it in tarot, like this very sort of strict idea of what each individual card means, no matter the context. It's just like, this can only, ever, you know, the kings can only ever be a male presenting figure. Oh, um, gosh, yes. And I just think that's such a strange way to approach these things. Right. Um, that's so interesting to yeah. me. I hadn't encountered that as much in the tarot, besides just like the fact that there are certain websites that they, they list like the three definitions that everyone spouts. But to me, that seems a little silly mm -hmm. because tarot is so intuitive and it's about looking at the image and seeing what the image speaks to you and combining that with the like known meaning like the three of wands might not always mean like you're gonna start a business or go on a journey right like there might be some color in there some other action that the figure is doing on the card that speaks to you about that person's specific experience that's ridiculous to me the people are like this is the yeah. prescribed meaning and you cannot deviate but you hear, yeah, you hear about it in astrology all the time of just like, you know, Taurus is very stubborn, very set in his ways. <laughs> yeah. Cancer is a homebody, you know, like, and it's really, and you can, you know, 
you can get into one of these arguments with with somebody like that they're like you know well cancers are home bodies very important and then you you know you can list a bunch of cancers who contradict that and they're like oh but they had a lot of you know they had a moon <gasps> oh, in Sagittarius yeah. or they had something, you know like to deflect it's like maybe things are just complicated and maybe you have a narrow view of the world and you should expand it because Damn. life is beautiful and weird <laughs> I totally agree we should do a whole episode about astrological stereotypes and oh, how yeah, other things and people and ourselves do or don't fit them and how those stereotypes are often used as an excuse for poor behavior. I'm looking at all mm. of you right now just because you're Pisces. Does it, it doesn't mean you're an empath. It just means you need to work on having boundaries. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very skeptical of the empath word. It's always kind of like made me feel like I need to take a shower. I don't know. Um, I, I just don't know why everybody is using it right now. It's like when everybody was an indigo child. Now, do, are they just, did they just switch to the word empath? I'm so confused. But for a while, <gasps> I think everybody they did. was an indigo child. Or a cr oh, crystal Christ. child. I heard of that. Some, that that's like oh one step past indigo child. I was like, what is even going on? I thought indigo I had can't. something to do with your aura. I've still never had my aura photo taken. I'm dying to do it. Uh, I always have an angry streak of red on mine. Um, but when I, you know, when I say, when I have my aura photo taken, they're always just like, well, this is what you're like today. Tomorrow it'll be different. And it's true. Like every time I've had it done, it's different. But it's, they read it like an astrological chart or whatever, like a, uh, like the transits you're going through, not like a natal, not okay. like a natal thing. That's so interesting. Yeah, we'll see. I, I really want like a cool emerald green one or maybe indigo because then I can be a real indigo child, whatever that is. Anybody who <laughs> came up in the 90s, like not me, but I know plenty of people who's like your mom like really wants you to be an indigo child and like not just like be acting out in school. Right. <laughs> I know it's so it's such a strange it's such a strange thing, but it's it's, you know, not not to get on a millennial bashing, but uh, I'm happy desire... to listen to criticism of my generation. <laughs> <laughs> I embrace the desire it. to see oneself as special rather than just sort of, you know, like one of the dregs of humanity like we all are. Um, you know, I think that that's the uh, that's one of the curses of the moment is everybody, you know, everybody is special because everybody is different. But no, I'm I'm an indigo child, you know, right. that thing. No, I think that's absolutely true. That's one of the um, most troubling things that this particular generation has had to deal with. And hopefully over time shed. It can be really painful to shed that. And once you, we've all uh, had our Saturn returns now or like other millennials are in the midst of theirs. And I think that will strip that away from you really, really quick. This idea that like you're somehow special or exempt from the pain and suffering of the world because you have some special talent or gift. Like, no, you still have to work for that shit. Um, well, it, look, I mean, every mass shooter thinks he's super special and here to redeem something. So, oh my gosh, it's rethink. awful. It's so awful. We should really, really rethink that narrative. Mm. It's the Pluto and Scorpio let's generation. What are you going to do? Yeah, let's move away from yeah. mass shootings. It's too sad. <laughs> too sad. I'll leave that to the experts to discuss because... I'm not sure yeah. that I would. Yeah. I can comment on astrology and feminism and, and witchcraft, but that's a social ill that needs a lot more uh, insight and, and just love and all that. So yeah. Yeah. speaking of Pluto and Scorpio, let's talk about mm. some astrological indicators in the chart of what might show spirituality or what would be a fulfilling spiritual path for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's also part of um, the, not the downside of this whole witch thing, but but just the, uh, the difficulty of it maybe, of mm. not one thing fits the needs of everybody, right? And even if you even within a larger tradition like Christianity or something, you know, everybody has a different experience of that religion. Mm -hmm. um, and so trying to make yourself fit 
one particular uh, trait or path because that's the way you've been told, it's the way to do it, might not actually suit you. Um, and so yeah, in the astrological, in, the, in your natal chart, there are these sort of indicators of um, how to sort of go about uh, thinking about religious practice and, and um, spiritual practice. And it's primarily, I mean, it's sort of all over, all over the place, but primarily lives in the ninth house and the twelfth house. Yep. We What's your ninth house? What's on the cusp of your ninth house? Um, my ninth house is Leo and my twelfth house is Scorpio. Mm. That makes sense. So, yeah, so the ninth house is kind of like the external tradition um it's uh the study you do the mentors you pick up um the uh community that you might belong to um and then the 12th is your kind of personal relationship with the divine however that might exist for you um and it's meditation prayer you know dreams these types of things Mm -hmm. what are your ninth and twelfth houses uh, so my ninth is Capricorn and my 12th is Aries and they're both empty for them. I mean, there's some asteroids around there, but they are for the most part empty. Ooh, that is really interesting. I definitely feel the Capricorn on the ninth house cusp coming in like super strong for you. Um, obviously, because oh, yeah. the ninth house can be like writing and publishing and sharing your words and putting your philosophy out there. And for you, it seems like that's just like, that's the work. That's like the labor that you do. Right. Um, and, just, like, and it's also right, like the, the search. I mean, Capricorn yeah. is where things tend not to be not to just come handed to you. You have to really sort of experience and and drag yourself through something. And for me, you know, um, it took me a really long time even to get the slightest handle on my uh, religious needs. And uh, mm. none of the traditions that I was surrounded by growing up in Kansas um, even came close to being satisfying for me. So it really was a struggle to uh, to figure it out and find it. And then the 12th house, Aries. How do you experience that as far as your work with prayer, meditation, or divination? Um, to me, it's... I have to be dragged personally <laughs> through something <laughs> in order to, for me yep. to get the spiritual message. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I can study it in the Capricorn way of like being dutiful and being uh, structured about it and reading the important texts and everything. But until like the hand is on my throat, I don't. Um, uh, and it's immediate for me. And I do feel like the t- Aries on the 12th house, it's like, um, I don't know how other people might experience it, but for me, it's immediate. Like when I go into mm-hmm. a state of prayer or meditation or whatever, um, it's immediate. It, I'm just in it and I don't have to fast or go through anything. It's just a direct sort of connection. Um, and it's always been very easy for me because I've always been like a mystic since a weird, as a weird little kid. So um yeah, to me, to me, the Aries thing is just immediacy. That is so. How do you experience this? How do you experience the Scorpio twelfth house? I mean, I know that we've talked about, um, you know, you you having sort of prophetic dreams and getting information easily, um, but how else do you experience the twelfth house Scorpio? Yeah, so the twelfth house Scorpio, as I experience it, is just this like extremely strong gravitational pull towards the occult or witchcraft or the darker side of, you know, whatever 12th house things we're talking about, dreams, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And as much as I, the Sagittarius rising in me wants it to be light and happy and fun and we're here to party, um that's really not sustainable I have to do really really deep work through I guess some people might call it shadow work um I've never really understood that terminology in a useful way for me but yeah just like 
getting really down and dirty with whatever the subject matter is. And it's it's a lot about secrets too. Again, I mentioned earlier, I have a fixation with like secret societies and learning more about mm. um, you know mystery traditions and, and that does factor into my uh, work. It's also, you know, Scorpio has really strong instincts. Um, and I do feel like I have a strong psychic instinct for situations or especially for danger. Um, like my ears mm-hmm. will ring if something is like not right um, in this like very specific way. Um, and I know that's not like a specific spiritual practice. It's more, it's very bodily. Um, it's very much mm-hmm. something that is visceral um, as opposed to someone that I have to seek out. And, you know, isn't it interesting that we both have Mars ruled 12th houses? Um, and we both experience that bodily immediacy of prayer and ritual it's very um yeah you know i because my mars is in virgo i always have this kind of uh love hate relationship with mars um my mars is in pisces so so i set at 29 degrees pisces you guys the end of the zodiac it's i think it's like 53 minutes pisces too um it's rough the mars struggle (laughs) is real yeah, yeah. The Mar- the conflicted Mars is. We're gonna have to do a podcast on it because Mars is a lot, and I think uh, misunderstood a significant amount. But um, but yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about um, about them both being Mars, but you're right. The sort of immediacy of the twelfth house. Um, but our ninth houses yeah. couldn't be more different, right? yeah yeah of course yeah sun in the ninth house Um, is so or not like yeah sun ruling over the ninth house pardon me is um i don't know i i get this joyful feeling anytime i'm in that sort of searching spiritual searching state or you know writing journaling etc etc and then you know Mm -hmm. as far leo does rule performing and i have you know, I feel close to the divine or whatever you want to call it when I'm getting to use those sort of artistic gifts in a magical way, right? Mm. I love it. Um, I do think that one sort of under-discussed uh, aspect of uh, the natal chart when it comes to religious and spiritual practice is Virgo slash Sixth House. Yes. Um, which I see... If- of being part of the nun archetype, which is it's nice to feel the feelings and to believe the things, but what do you actually do with it? Um, and as somebody with a fucked up Virgo stellium, uh, <laughs> I think about this constantly, right? Um, so uh, it's, you know, it's the sort of uh, St. Teresa of Avila thing of like, God wants works. Like what do you, yeah. what do you actually do with the, with all the nice feelings and all the nice energy? Um and yeah, so sixth house to me is an important, vitally important house. Um, and Virgo as well is just being like, well, what is, what's the practice? Like, what is the actual um, uh, intent? What do you do with it? Hmm. What is on the cusp of your sixth house? Uh, my sixth house is Libra. Oh, that's so fun. My sixth house is Taurus. So you both have Venus world sixth houses. That's funny. Um, and is your what do you have in your sixth house? It's empty. There's nothing else there. Oh, okay. I have uh, Pluto and Uranus. Ooh, wow. That's intense. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> How does that affect your approach to, like, making works with your faith, right? Like, actually doing the material things and the labors to get your spiritual knowledge? Um, to me, it's the most important thing. It's mm. um, whether or not I'm sort of living in uh, alignment is how I say, of how I yeah. sort of think about it and refer to it. Um, so to me, it's the most important thing and it powers everything. And, you know, to think of it as being the, you know, the magician in the tarot, um, it's not about being the sort of egotistical creator. It's about being a conduit. Um, and so with both Pluto and Uranus, for me, when I'm going through either one of those transits, 
its total channel of just things just flowing and coming through my writing that I uh, like I consciously don't even want to think about but now it's just there um and I have very tight squares with both Pluto and Uranus so it's just a sort of constant presence of, in my life we could do a whole episode on squares I'm like this low-key the square yeah. expert since I have a grand cross grand mutable cross yeah I promise squares I are squares are vital they really are I love that I feel like this is a good place to wrap up and ask people yeah. to, I am so curious. I Truly, I've been doing this work for a long time, but nothing gets me more hype than looking at other people's charts and just seeing how it plays out in their lives. So after you listen mm-hmm. to this, you should at us on Twitter or on Instagram. Um, it's at bad astrologers on both things and Tell us um, what your ninth and twelfth houses are, um, what your sixth house is, and how those things influence your spiritual practice. Because um, we want to know. Help us like make a repository of info that can give people the context that they need to survive. The fuzzy witch moment. 